Welcome to The Way of Christ, a path for spiritual growth presented by Church of the Incarnation in Dallas, Texas. Each week we will explore central topics of the Christian faith and practice, emphasizing what it means to be a member of a community committed to spiritual growth in Christ. Our focus for Season 1 is Mapping the Christian Faith, and Episode 1 is titled, Where Are We Going? The Final Destination of Our Life in God. It is presented by Dr. Christopher Beely and originally recorded on September 10th, 2023. I'd like to begin with a prayer. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Oh, gracious God, you've given us minds with which to know you. You've given us hearts with which to love you. And you've given us hands with which to serve you in this, your world. Lord, bless us now in this series and in this hour uh, as we seek to draw closer to you, uh, to learn your ways and your being, and bind us together in the fellowship of your spirit through Christ our Lord. Amen. Come on in. Keep coming in while other people are going to scoot over. Scoot over and make room for people. Good morning. This is a very exciting time uh, at the Church of the Incarnation. Uh, God is uh, growing our church, and as I've said more than one time from that pulpit and the other one down the hall, this is what God does. God is in the business of growing us and growing things. God is always fruitful. There's no such thing as a non-fruitful God. If it's not fruitful, it's not God. So God is in the business of growing things, and we are, we are blessed. Thanks be to God by his grace. We know some of that growth and freshness, uh, even in this new season. As we move into the fall of 2023, God's health and God's flourishing is all around us, even and sometimes especially when we're struggling. Those two go together. So we have planned this uh, 10-week adult class in order for us to come together and focus on what does it look like to grow in God? What does it look like to grow toward God, to grow in God, and to grow by the hand of God? You will notice starting today, this is a course that is both a course on the basics of the faith and at the same time, an opportunity to go deeper. And that's where we always stand as believers. There's always room to grow, and we are always still learning the basics. And that includes all the people who usually assemble up here. So we're going to give uh, an, an overview of some of the key principles of our faith that orient our growth toward in and by God. Uh, if you're a long-term member, you know that this class is for you. If you're a visitor or a guest today, you're uh, wanting to grow in your faith or you're inquiring about the Christian faith, or perhaps you're just interested in who this Jesus is, this class is for you as well. There is a handout uh, that I trust you got. Did everybody get a handout? Hold it up if you got a handout so I can see. Oh, yay, there they are. I mean, look at, okay. Fantastic. There is a God. Okay, we got it. We got the handout. There's minor proofs for the, I'm always grateful for these little proofs for the existence of God. A handout's a small one. Um, we're beginning today with a question that's probably not where you expect it. When we begin, you might think, well, let's begin at the beginning. But we are actually going to begin today at the end. Because we know as Christians... By God's revelation to us, 
that we have been made with a purpose. We've been created with an end in mind. All human beings face these basic fundamental questions at one time or another. Who am I? What am I for? What is my family or my business or my community for? And the answer to those questions is often found in a third question. Well, where are we headed? Where are we going? So we might put it this way. What kind of people has God made us to become? Not who we already are, but who we're growing to be. We've promised you all a roadmap for spiritual growth in Christ. What does it look like? What is this way, this path, where God is leading us with a purpose? And so the map that we've promised to give you is a map with an end. It has a purpose, or we say sometimes in technical circles, a telos, the end, the purpose, the reason why we're here. So we're going to begin by thinking about the last things first. That sounds familiar. I think Jesus said something like that. Now, where do we begin as modern people in our everyday understanding of ourselves and our families? We begin, tend to begin as modern people with a kind of linear understanding of time, that we have a beginning and time marches on and here we are in the present and then someday we'll get into the future. We think of our lives as sequential, going from the beginning through the present to the future. But moreover, when we do this, notice what that does to our minds. That means that we think of ourselves as being determined by our past. Where we came from determines who we are and where we're going to go and so on. And as soon as I say it that way, I'm sure you can hear how confining that is. Maybe you feel confined by your past. Maybe other people keep trying to tell you who you're supposed to be in the present by their image of your past or even your future. Well, in the gospel of Christ and really throughout the scriptures, we have a very different understanding of who we are in time. We are not determined by where we came from, but rather we are determined by where we're going. We are a people who are identified and formed and shaped by God's future. God is the Lord of history, and he has a future already in mind. It was there from the beginning of the worlds, the Bible tells us. And it's God's future that determines our present, and it even can reach back and heal and restore our past. We see this in the case of Israel. Throughout the scriptures, Israel is a community of promise. They're living by God's promises made in creation, made by Abraham, made to Abraham. I'll make you the father of many nations like the sand of the sea. Israel is a community defined by the promise of God's future. And same for the church. We are a community of promise. We are saved, St. Paul says, in hope. We're defined by where we're going. So the Christian life and our life as a church is a life that's going somewhere. Well, where are we going? I'll start with the short answer. 
We're going to God. We're going to our maker and our savior, and we're also going to the one who brings everything to fulfillment according to his purposes. We're going to God who sits at the heart of what we call a new creation, a new heavens and earth. It's the first scripture passage on your handout. These are mostly texts for you to take home and study, resources to send you home with. I'm going to point to just a few of them during the talk this morning. This is Revelation chapter 21 where John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. See, the home of God is among mortals. God will one day fully dwell in his creation and be at the heart of everything, which is what he already wants to be in our lives, at the heart of everything. And in that final paragraph, those famous verses, where death will be no more. There will be no more weeping or sighing or pain and so on. So this is where we're going. We're going to God and God's new creation We have different ways of talking about this in Christian tradition. What I'm offering to you this morning, remember, is the purpose of our lives. When you wake up in the morning, what are you thinking about? Well, here's where the Bible says we're headed. We are going to become like God. We even partake in God's own nature. We'll be divinized in some miraculous sense. We're still creatures, but we become godlike. Another language we use, think 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's also on your handout near the bottom of the first page. Look at the last line, this famous chapter that's often read at weddings and other services. Now we see only in a reflection as in a mirror, but then one day we will see God face to face. Can you imagine what that will be like? So we're going into a place of seeing God. We're also going into a place of rest where all of our struggles and tribulations and our labors are over and God gives us rest. We'll be united with God. All of these are true ways of talking about where we're going. Well, now a bit more of a longer answer. Why does this matter? I mean, why would you want to go there anyway? In other words, what is God like? Who is this God who has created and redeemed and will one day bring us to perfection? Now, some of you may be guessing what I'm going to say next, but I bet others have not. When we ask the question as Christians, who is God and what is God like? I'm going to give you a simple answer that I hope you'll take with you. Meditate on your mind and your heart. You can just something you can tell your friends. Who is God? God is not this one that all the world says God is like. God is exactly this. God is the one who raised Jesus from the dead. That's the best short description of who God is. God is the one who raised Jesus from the dead having first called and delivered Israel out of Egypt. Notice the repetition. This is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the the one and only true God, but we know what God's like, not just by looking at Jesus, but by seeing that God has raised Jesus from the dead. Why does this matter? What is that kind of God like? 
If God is the one who raised Jesus from the dead, and we know that Jesus took upon himself all of our sin and death and suffering and alienation, that means that the only God, there's only one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is the only God. God is the one who overcomes all of our alienation, our separation, our sin, our decay, our mortality. God, in other words, is always our deliverer. God is always our savior. There is no other God than this. Having created us, God delivers us through his son, Jesus, and one day will bring us to perfection. In other words, God is the God of life, as Jesus said. God is the God of the living, not of the dead. And we use that word in church, a living God. This is where we're going. We're going to life in God, and we're going to the God who is life. That's a different picture of God than we often hear from in other places. In fact, it's totally different from what we would hear in any other place. God is the one who gives life all the way to the depths of the grave and in the darkness of our hearts. A few more words about who God is. We say in the creed, we believe in one God, the Father Almighty. There's the first adjective that comes to us in the creed. God is supremely powerful. You know the hymn that God is mighty to save. God is capable and powerful enough to do anything that God intends or wants to do. Our lives are defined by frustration. We meet with limitations and speed bumps and pits that we fall in all the time. So God is so unlike us. God is not limited or mortal. God is supremely powerful, and that's what life is, true life, isn't it? So God's power is a great description for us to think of when we want to imagine further who God is and where we're going. A couple more, just briefly, for this morning. God is the one who is supremely and totally beautiful. God's glory is the biblical word for it. What is beauty to us as humans? Beauty is that which is satisfying and pleasing, that delights the heart and the eye. Everything that we imagine that is beautiful in this world is a dim and partial reflection of what God is like. So God, who is the supremely beautiful and true one, is the real object of our desires, even when we don't know it. We seek for beauty and happiness and fulfillment in thousands of other places. Well, God is our happiness and our fulfillment as our true life. Now notice, there's something else for you to take away today. Each time you say the Lord's Prayer, you're going to hear what I just said at the very end. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Thine is the kingdom. God is mighty to save. God rules over all and seeks to rule and operate in all of our lives. The one who raised Jesus from the dead also wants to raise you and me. Thine is the power. We just talked about power. God is capable and able to do all that God needs. And thine is the glory. All beauty 
in heaven on earth belongs to the Lord. The final thing to say about who or what God is is to reiterate that God is not of our own making. We make all kinds of gods. Just see the history of the human race, right? Every culture has its gods, formal or informal. And we, even as believers sometimes, as we're growing more and more in God's holiness, we can still make gods for ourselves. But it's essential to realize that where we're going is nothing of our own making. And that goes a long way to quieting and calming our hearts and opening us to receive rather than to always be fabricating. Well, you've already heard me say, if God is the one who raised Jesus from the dead, we call that person God the Father. And there's Jesus who's raised from the dead and the power of God that comes in our lives, we call the Holy Spirit then we also know that God is the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You know, we learn who God is, not so much by thinking about it, but by responding to what God has done. God's actions, just like us, people's actions, our actions show who we are, don't they? Better than maybe what we say we are. Well, it's the same with God. We know who God is by what God has done and by who God tells us he is. The supreme name of God that we have as believers, by God's grace, is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God is the one who created all things, who delivered Israel out of Egypt, who raised his son Jesus from the dead. God is that son that was sent by the Father, and God is the Holy Spirit sent into our hearts and the spirit which has brought us together as church. So God is the Holy Trinity. Now, sometimes when people talk or teach about the Trinity, it gets very abstract very quickly, and that's a problem. The Trinity, in fact, is the meaning of our life. There's nothing that we are or want to be or need to do that's not wrapped up in the life of God's name, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's all over the scriptures. God the Father is always creating and sending and willing, and he's the source of all things. God the Son is the one who receives his life from the Father and always does the will of the Father. God the Holy Spirit proceeded from the Father through the Son, and the Holy Spirit is God with us in the church and in our hearts. So what is God like? God is this eternal life of love and knowledge and life in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit among the three, one in three and three in one. Well, finally, why does this matter? Why start a course on the Christian life and the way of Christ? Why start this here? How do we guide our lives by this knowledge of where we're going and who God is. A few thoughts. The first is to appreciate simply that our life has a goal and a purpose. We are not defined by our past and we're not even defined by the present. 
We are defined by where God is leading us. Think about what that means for you and your own understanding of yourself. Do we always think of ourselves as growing, as being molded and shaped by God like clay to become the vessels that God wants us to be? Do we always think of ourselves as a church as defined by where we're going as opposed to just where we are, even where we've been? God's been with us and called this particular church and God's church all over the world exists in many beautiful shapes and sizes and types. But God is moving us forward into his kingdom. So we are to be a people, again, as St. Paul says, we are saved in hope. We're always looking forward to God's future and praying for the Lord's return. That's one way that we do that. Secondly, we are people of resurrection life. Remember, God is the one who raised Jesus from the dead. Now, I find it all too easy, just as easy, I bet, as you do, to forget that. To forget during a hard day or a busy season or a time of loss or whatever, that God is the God of life, that indeed God raised Jesus from the dead. And that's the only reason we're in this room. We are people of resurrection. But thirdly, it means that in our lives now, we can only know God's life in the midst of the death of the world, the death that's all around us, I mean, and even the death of our own bodies. Our bodies groan. All of creation groans, Paul says and looks with expectation for the revelation of the saints. Christians, in other words, are called to be both hopeful and realistic. It can be easy, can't it, once we we come to faith, if you're a believer, I think most of us in the room are, to just imagine that all those problems are going to go away. That's not what we're called to. We're called to know God's life and hope and healing in the midst of the remnants of death that we live with, even as believers. But fourthly, we know God's life over death as we look ahead to God's future, and we're defined by where God is leading us. So our life now is is frustrating, to be sure. We get frustrated all the time. We get blocked, inhibited, we stumble and fall, and so on. So our lives as believers, we need to be remade. We need to be reformed from the inside out. And where does this come from? It only comes from God. We can't do it. We can only receive it. So notice how different... True life, God's life, is from the life that we know and the life of the world. God has in mind the purification and the renewal of all creation. We just tend to want to destroy things. God brings about community with one another. Heaven, you may have heard me say before, or you've heard someone else say this, heaven is not a state of mind. Heaven is a city. Heaven is a community. Heaven is the heavenly Jerusalem or the city of God. God makes perfect community 
And that's where he's taking us. But well, what do we do? We fight and we quarrel and we're jealous and we get passive aggressive and all that stuff. How different we are from God. God will be revealed finally in true and supreme beauty. The light and glory shimmering in the heavenly Jerusalem. Well, what do we do? We tend to mar things or we substitute even destructive forms of desire and beauty for the true God. So there are three ways in which we live now. Who are we? We are to live first by faith. By faith, we come to know this God who is calling us into his future. And faith is that posture of trust where we say to God, I give up, enough, I surrender. If you're considering Christ or thinking about becoming a Christian this morning, if you're one of our guests today, this word is for you. Faith is to say, I'm sorry. Please help me, O Lord. I trust my whole life in you. Please come into my heart and heal me. So we live by faith in the God who's bringing all this about. We live by hope again. Our lives are oriented towards God's future. We're not there yet. So we have to live by hope. That's what motivates us. And finally, we live by love. All of our lives are to be participating and sharing in God's redeeming work. We do this by adoring God above all things, loving God with all that we have, but also by building up our neighbor, by loving each other, loving our neighbor as ourselves. So these are three daily, essential, practical ways that we live and grow. We begin with faith and we grow more and more in love. Okay, I'm going to pause there and invite to see if there are any questions from the community, the congregation. We'll still call ourselves a congregation. It's a class, but we're in church after all. Father Matt has a microphone. Raise your hand if you have a question that you'd like to ask. Don't be shy. I know it's a big room. Does anybody have a question or a comment? Raise your hand. We've got a few minutes. Think of something. While she's talking, you think of something. Yeah, I was, um, you said only God can do it. Only God does the changing. Yeah. But we have a responsibility as well to prepare, right? Because he can't do it without us and we can't do it without him. So we have a part in our sanctification. But I mean, he saves us, right? Yes, wonderful question. I'm, I'm so glad you asked that. Yes, absolutely. We very much have a part, but only God can give us to have that part. There are lots of, it's important to get that order right. There are lots of ways that we try to fix ourselves. 
And there are a lot of ways that we imagine that we can fix everything else in the world. And we sometimes kind of try to get ahead of God. But lots of, I could cite a lot of, lots of examples in the scriptures, but it's not, I mean, this is what love, what love looks like, right? The meaning of life, what love looks like. It's not that we first loved God, but God first loved us. So even our cooperation is a response to God's hand in our lives. And by all means, we prepare, and even the preparation is a gift from God. So God is God, and we're not. God is the potter, we're the clay. So we have to first get that right. And you know when we get it right? I think everybody in this room has had, at that, moment, had that moment. When you're at the end of your rope, you've tried everything you can try to fix it, and you're finally ready to say, I surrender. And that's that moment when it's crystal clear that God has to do the saving. And then we have a lot of work to do. Believe me, I'm aware of how much work to do. Thank you, Michelle. Great question. Other, Cody's got one in the back. Hi. You mentioned we're not defined by the past nor the present, but by where we're going. Can you flush that out practically, how that could inform the way I think about myself and others? Oh, another wonderful question. Thank you. Yes, well, the way we flesh that out is going to be individual to each of us, isn't it? Because we all have a unique past and a unique present. But here's what I would say is the most constant practical way to live into that. It's when you experience, you become aware of that part of yourself or your life that you just know is holding you back. And it's often tied to something in your past. But the flip side of that coin is when, you, when we identify, I mean, a, a lot of what we have in our present is wonderful and it's a gift from God, thanks be to God, but not everything. When we discover that thing from our past or a present that's holding us back, and the flip side of the coin is to pray, invite God's healing grace and God's mercy to transform that thing in our life and wait and watch and see what happens. Now, what that thing is is going to be different for everybody, right? But who doesn't know something in their life where they can feel like they're being held back or we're holding ourselves back? Our God is a saving and a healing God. Final thing I'll say about that, I, I briefly said this in the lecture, and that is that Again, many of you all have already experienced this. When we come into God's healing mercy, that healing is so powerful, it can even heal parts of the past that we thought were beyond redeeming. That's what it means to be people of forgiveness and people of healing. It's a wonderful question. The answer is going to be individual, but I hope that helps. Any others? I can't see that well. I'm too old to see all of you. I can't. So I let these young guys see you. because they... <laughs> um, I was curious if you could just speak to the tension we live in, that the kingdom is a place we're going, but it's also already at hand, and it is among us, and it is a thing that we live in. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so the kingdom of God, I mean, this is Jesus' initial gospel, repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. It is here. Through the Holy Spirit, we are meant to know God's future healing and saving grace even now. 
So it is very much among us, this is, this is who Jesus is. Jesus is the kingdom of God made human and come among us and he's with us and then the Holy Spirit puts that into our hearts. So it's here in a real way, but it's not fully realized, is it? Look at our frailties and our shortcomings. Look around in the world. One of the marks of when, the, when God's kingdom is fully present is that the news headlines are going to look very different. <laughs> God is going to right every wrong in the world. Right? So we live in that tension. That's a great word, Hannah, that we, we have a tension because God has gifted us his very self, but we know it first in our hearts. As Paul says, the outer person, the outer man is wasting away, but the inner man is being renewed day by day. So the already is known in our hearts, in our relationships, and it's celebrated here in the church, even as we wait for the fulfillment. Really good question. Is there another over here? Yeah. One more question. Thank you for flagging the time. Thank you, Dr. Bailey, for all of your words. <clears throat> My question is, it, it, you make it seem so easy that all we have to do is ask God to come into our heart to save us. Uh -huh. And it seems like it's a quick fix. Uh -huh. We go home and everything's just fine. And then we wake up tomorrow and we have to start all over again. So how do you talk about the tension between the quick fix, mm -hmm. but it's a process and there's pain along the way? Oh, amen. Well, that's such, you've answered your own question, Mark, um, but I'm glad you asked it. Um, uh, it is both easy and a lifetime of work and very difficult. And as Jesus said, right, my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And yet, we also have to take up our cross and follow him and undergo that death of our sin and our shortcomings and so on. So, uh, again, what a, a wonderful question. And if that's a word that somebody in the room needed to hear, I just want to, to echo it. God is ready to come into your heart. The Lord Jesus wants to know you and redeem you and save you right now. There's no need to wait, and it's easy in that sense. He will not bruise uh, a broken reed or he's not going to quench out a wick that's barely, barely smoldering. See, we tend to be either gentle or really mean, right? Um, that's our brokenness. God can be easy or gentle and at the same time grow us in ways that are demanding. So again, you, you've answered the question. It's both easy and can be very difficult. So if you've woken up today in the difficult spot, it's not lost. And in fact, the more we grow in the Lord, the more we find that God molds us and shapes us in ways that challenge us and God expects us to grow and so on. So it's very much a journey and a path of growth. This is why we're having this course together. It's to enable us to go deep those who are long-term believers, and also to come to know the Lord in his way if you're new to the faith or you're just inquiring. Let us stand and I'll close us with a prayer. Blessed is your name, O Lord, you are exalted through all the earth. Lord, we pray that you would give us eyes to see you, give us hearts to love you, and again, give us hands to serve you. And this day, O Lord, we pray that you would grow us, you would increase in us, the faith and the hope
and the love that only you can give and that you would empower us then to be your disciples and to respond with all that we have. Help us, O Lord, to love you, to love our neighbors as ourselves as we live into your future as individuals, as families, and as a church together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to The Way of Christ, a path for spiritual growth. Join us next week for episode two, titled, How Do We Get There? Part One, Jesus as the Way. Those in the Dallas area are invited to join us on Wednesday nights as we dive deeper into our weekly topics in a dynamic group discussion. This podcast is produced by Church of the Incarnation, located in Dallas, Texas. Our editor is Robert Nash. Our theme song is Raise a Voice by Emery. Follow us on Instagram at IncarnationDFW or on Facebook at Church of the Incarnation. For more information on our church, please visit our website, www.incarnation.org. Thank you for listening.